Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies straight, a perfect line. Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and welcome to We in Foresault. We have we are having technical difficulties right now, so I apologize for that. So my lovely wife's intro did not get did not get on tonight. So we apologize for that, and I apologize to y'all. Uh, I have heard some issues for Block Talk Radio the last couple of days. I haven't had a show, but I've heard there there have been issues. Very frustrating when you're trying to do a show, you have a prime time slot, and you have technical difficulties. But that's the way we roll here. We just roll right through it. We don't let it bother us. But a lot to talk about tonight in the sports world. A lot of NBA basketball. We will talk some college football. We will talk the NFL draft. Just waiting on a co-host to arrive. But until then, we'll we'll just go through the NBA playoffs real quick. And again... Very sorry for the technical difficulties. I'm going to go through the NBA playoffs. I, mean, I don't know about y'all, but it has been one crazy weekend of NBA playoffs, the first round. You know, last night when OKC won at home, they were the first home team out of four games to win their uh, win the first game. And it was a shock to me as well. We'll talk about it, but the Atlanta the Atlanta Hawks actually beat the Indiana Pacers. So you have the one seed Pacers going down at home again to the Atlanta Hawks. I didn't think it was possible, but it goes to show, what do you really know about the NBA? Uh, I do watch some of it. I am smart enough to realize that, that Indiana is a lot better team. But, wow, I was just in shock to, to watch the Pacers fall to the, or to the Atlanta Hawks. And um, earlier today... We had the San Antonio Spurs. They looked like they were going to pull, you know, a flop at home in game one. Dallas played them tough, but at the end, you have Tim Duncan and Tony Parker coming on strong, led by some defense. San Antonio escaped at home 90-85. to That was a great game. Currently right now at halftime, Chicago up 54-48 over the Washington. Um, wow, Washington in the playoffs surprised me, but – here they are playing Chicago tough and wall. I mean, he's a, he's a man amongst boys out there. He's the best player on that court. And I'm interested to see if he can carry him on his back. I don't know if he's good enough to beat five Chicago Bulls, but we're about to find out. The defending champions, Miami Heat, 99-88 to at home today. Um, sorry, I'm 
trying to get my bearings, guys, so just bear with me just one moment. Having a lot of difficulty right now. Wasn't expecting it. But yesterday, the best game I watched, the Clippers and the Golden State Warriors, that was on yesterday afternoon, the Clippers at home. This was one of the most anticipated series. But with Bogut being out for Golden State, really nobody was giving Golden State a shot. They were a seven-and-a-half, eight-point underdog, somewhere around in there. But they went on the road. They got Blake Griffin in foul trouble. And they won game one. They have home court advantage now. Just that Curry kid, it's just amazing. And anybody has have any thoughts tonight, the number is 646-716-5564. If you'd like to call in, weigh in on, on the NBA playoffs right now. But, you know, I've been hearing a lot of Clippers fans out there whining right now. Oh, the officials messed us up. One bad call cost us the game. One bad call didn't cost you the game, guys. It was a... It was a bad call. I'll give them that. But the way you were shooting free throws, the way both teams were shooting free throws, <laughs> nothing was guaranteed in that game. You get 100 calls in a game, and, you know, 75% are right. The other 25% are wrong, it looks like. So I don't want to hear that the Clippers got cheated and Golden State won because the rest cheated. I'm sorry. That's just not going to fly with me. But, you know, Golden State was up double digits in the fourth, and they just went cold. I was watching that, and I was I was talking to some people during the game about it. When you're up 10 on the road, you have to score. You have to keep scoring because L.A. went on their, their run, and all of a sudden Golden State goes cold. The next thing you know, it's a, it's a tie ball game, or Golden State's down a couple of points. But these guys found a way. Jermaine O'Neal was just a beast. Curry, of course, was amazing. But to me, that was the, that was the best game of the weekend to me. That was amazing. And I'm just wondering in game two when they come out, how is Golden State? Are they going to play kind of loose? Are they going to play just to go back home to Golden State? Are they content with winning just one game? But now the chance, if you're the Clippers, you have to be in panic mode because Golden State, I believe, is going to come out looking for the kill. They have the blood's in the water. They smell it. Mark Jackson's a phenomenal coach. He's got his team playing ball right now. And anytime you have a weapon like Curry on the floor, he can go off for 50 any night. So if he's hot, he makes everybody else around him better. Golden State could go into to L.A. and win this and go up 2-0. Just that, they're that team you better watch out for because they can get you. Ask the San Antonio Spurs last year when they were in a dogfight until they, they turned it on. But just an update right now in the second half, just started Chicago up 59-51. Uh, looks like... Chicago's just a little too much for them right now at home. So Washington, first time they've been in the playoffs in a long time. So here they are now just trying to get adjusted and get accustomed to this. But it's going to be a long night of basketball after this game. We have a great game, the Houston Rockets and the Portland Trailblazers in game one. Interesting to see how Harden plays, how, how Howard plays his first playoff series with the Rockets. I mean, just a very dangerous team, the Houston Rockets. But I just don't I don't trust this team. There's just something about them. I just don't trust the go-to guys, Harden. And, and he's good and everything, don't get me wrong, but I just don't think he's that guy that can take you to the NBA championship. He's not like Durant and Westbrook. I mean, Howard's good down low, it's great, but I just don't think they have the guard play really to to do any damage. And that's why I think Portland has a, has a shot to – to go in there game one tonight and get a win. They're only five-point underdog, and Portland's one of those teams. They play a lot of team basketball. They're physical. 
and, and here's the deal. They play so much during the year. They're not going to be intimidated by going on the road uh, to Houston. I mean, I'm sure it'll be electric there. If you take that, if you take that initial punch, you'll be okay. You just can't get down too much. And talking about that, that game last night, Oklahoma City, Memphis, or Oklahoma City was up 22, 24 points in this game. And one thing I hate is when teams get up to leads that big, and then they they lose all of their momentum. They can't get the fire back. You you have to put teams away when you're up 24. You just need to to go ahead and put the dagger in, and that's what concerns me about OKC. Westbrook's inconsistent, but I'll I'll tell you this about OKC: they're a lot more consistent, better with Westbrook on the court. When he's off the court, uh, Memphis came back and and tied the game, I believe, or came within two. It was close. It was, it was tied it or down by two. But you have to you get a team on the ropes like Memphis, you have to put them away. And maybe they learned, you know, from their mistake last night. Because you can't just go in on the playoffs and give up 20-point leads. It's not – you would never see Michael Jordan do that. You would never see some of the greats do that. But it just really concerned me. When I, when I look at San Antonio and I look at OKC, one thing I can tell you about San Antonio is I do trust them. And even Golden State, I trust them. The Clippers, I don't trust them. You know, Blake Griffin gets way too much love. Everybody says he's the third best player in the NBA. Come on, get real. This guy can't even stay in a game without getting fouled out. If you're an elite great player in the NBA, you don't foul out. You don't sit on the bench for four fouls in the first half. It's just That's just crazy. And I know the referees, you know, they miss some calls sometimes. But when you get in foul trouble, you have to be smart enough to put somebody on the bench. But when I look at the playoffs and I do my predictions, I look at teams that I can trust. And that's the main thing. How do I trust them? And, you know, the Hawks last night, I don't know much about them except they're, they're not a big team. Indiana is a team I don't trust right now. And look what happened. Game one, they lose at home. Now all of a sudden they're 0-1. Their confidence is shattered. I, I just don't know how they're going to make it back. I really don't know how Indiana is going to make it now. You lose to Atlanta, you, you lose a lot of confidence. But teams you trust, think about it. Teams you trust win basketball games. That's who you need to be picking right now. And when I look at the Miami Heat, I trust LeBron James. And Dwayne Wade seems to be a big-time game player when, when it comes to the playoffs and everybody plays good with Bosh. But, but, but here's the deal, they won championships, so you have to trust them a little bit. But it's teams like Houston, it's teams like OKC, Indiana, I don't trust. I trust San Antonio because I know what they have coaching, I know what they have on the court. I know usually they don't they don't blow big leads. It happens sometimes in the NBA when you play 80 plus games, but in the playoffs they come to play and their their coaches is he's he adapts very well. Anytime you do something to him, he he calls a timeout and he adjusts real quick. So think about it. The Bulls, do you trust them out there? Unless you're a Bulls fan, how do you trust the Chicago Bulls? They're home tonight. They're playing Washington. They should win this series, but after that, how do you trust them? Thibodeau's probably the best coach in the NBA, one of them. I mean, I, I would I would go to war with him any time and play for him. But who does Chicago have on the court that can score and take over a game? They don't have anyone. They're a very blue-collar team. It's kind of – they remind me of the Spurs a little bit, but with, with Tony Parker at San Antonio, he's a guard. But when I look at them, I just don't see the Bulls being a team that can make it past a couple of rounds. Maybe one round they'll beat Washington, but they're done after that. 
But if you look at the West, you look at the East, everybody out there, please agree with me here. Or if you don't, call in 646-716-5564. The West is so much better than the East right now, it's not even funny. I mean, you don't see number one seeds losing in the West. But you'll see the difference. The eight-seeded teams in the West, seven, six, teams like that. You had Golden State, the sixth seed, for God's sake, going on the road and beating the Clippers. But not to see Indiana, your number one team in the East, laying an egg at home and getting blown out by the Hawks. That's just very, very unacceptable. And, again, we about have every, we almost have everything up and running, so please just bear with me. Maybe I can get somebody in here to – to co-host with me tonight since I'm having some problems. Trey's not going to be able to join us. I know Cuervo's going to come on in just a few minutes. But the NBA playoffs, you have to be excited, though. It's here. This is this is when you watch. This is when you get excited. And maybe my computer will start working now with Block Talk Radio. So if you're having trouble hearing me, I do apologize. Making sure I hit all the games. I'm going back to yesterday right quick just to make sure I didn't miss a game. And I know the Brooklyn Nets went on the road and beat the Raptors in a big game. And I was surprised. I thought Toronto would win that game. I thought Brooklyn sandbagged at the end of the year just so they could avoid playing the Chicago Bulls. But guess what? It worked out for them, 94-87 to on the road. Now a lot of pressure put on Toronto. I do think Toronto's going to win this game, and I'm not going to count them out of the series. Um Brooklyn's an experienced team and everything, but Toronto did get the third seed, so it's not that I don't I don't trust Brooklyn, it's I don't trust Toronto, but I don't know much I don't know much about either one of those teams. So we're gonna find out shortly. So I'm gonna give you my playoff prediction so far. The Nets Raptor series, I'm going with the Nets. Warriors Clippers, I'm going with the Warriors, and it's just because of the fact and I said it a couple weeks ago, I don't I do not trust the Clippers. Chris Paul's a great guard, but at the end of the day, I don't trust him. The Hawks and Pacers, I'm still going to go with the Pacers, even though they're down 0-1. The Thunder Grizzlies, no doubt I'm going with the Thunder in this game. Kevin Durant and Westbrook would be way too much for this team. Memphis is a good team, but they just don't they don't have the transition kind of defense or offense to be able to match up with OKC. So it's just a bad matchup. Bulls-Wizards series, I'm going with the Bulls just because I'm more familiar with them. They play defense. They're a better coach. But don't be surprised if this goes seven games. Now, listen, don't laugh at me. Don't be surprised if this series goes seven games. Maverick Spurs, I think you're looking at a five-game series, 4-1 Spurs. The Heat Bobcats, I'd say 4-1 to one in that one. They're going to let the Bobcats win one just to make it interesting. Portland and the Rockets. That's a tough, tough series to call. But I'm going to go with Houston just because – of Dwight Howard and Harden. The Portland's a good team and everything, but when you when you look at what the Rockets do at home, they're thirty three and eight this year at home, so they have you know, they have the home court advantage, so I'm gonna go with them. And we will discuss the NBA playoffs in much more depth in the upcoming shows. So if you didn't get your fix tonight of NBA, you can call in and talk it with us or you can uh wait till the next show. Every time I'm supposed to have a co-host come on this show or something, and they're always late. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. I guess I just won't have one anymore. But when I prepare to do a show by myself, I, it's okay. But when you when you don't prepare to do a show by yourself, that can be the tricky part. And it, again, it could be 
Block Talk Radio on this one, guys. We're having some issues, and maybe the studio's not running right. But do you hear that? Sorry about that. Just trying to get everything set up. Wow, I'm having a good night here. Um, went to the, or didn't go to the game, but uh, hold on, we have a caller out here from the 541 area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Hey, my name's Jason. I have a prediction. Portland beats Houston in five games. No, it's six. In five games, you said, or six? Six. 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 Six? I'll, I'll trust again seven, but six. Yeah. Board. You must you must be an uh you must live in Oregon and you must be a homer. Yeah, I'm about two hours away from Portland. So, <laughs> that, uh, so. That's Jason Humphrey yeah. on the line with us. Jason, thanks for joining us and why do you think Portland's gonna beat Houston? I I think I think Aldridge and Lourdes, I I think they could have got it done and Portland hasn't been out of the first round for ages. Um so I think this is a good year. Um, it really depends if Houston could have shoot that three because they love shooting it. So um, if we could um, slow it down the three-point shots, I think we'll have a puncher's chance. So. Well, I'm, all, I'm documenting your pick right here, Jason, and uh, oh, yeah. thanks, for calling, thanks for calling in, buddy. Cuervo, you're on the line, man. Thanks for joining me. We've been having a lot of problems here on the studio. Hopefully it's working good, man. Oh, I can hear you, Tarvin. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you now. Thanks for thanks for calling in. If you had any difficulty, I apologize. But, wow, it's been 15 minutes of trying to get everything situated. So what do you think about the playoffs so far? Were you surprised yesterday that three out of the four road teams won in the game one? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I think the shocker is Atlanta over Indiana. However, um, with the way Indiana's been playing lately, uh, you know, people probably aren't too surprised. Just the fact that they lost game one. But, um, no, not really. I mean, you know, it's, it's especially the games that we had yesterday. I mean, it's, they're all, you know, expected to be close, competitive uh, series. So, no, nah, it doesn't. It shouldn't surprise too much. If you're the Indiana Pacers, I mean, where do you go from here? You you limp into the playoffs, Cuervo. You you get the number one seed, but at what cost did you get the number one seed? Did you wear your entire team out to get that number one seed? How important is a number one seed? I mean, I just don't know how how does Indiana rebound from this? Because I think this was a bigger blow than everybody thinks, and not just. Not, not not just because they lost, but the way they lost and who they lost to. I don't know if they can come back. Well, I mean, I think I think they'll be fine. Honestly, um, I'm not you know I'm not saying they're gonna. Yeah, they might lose one more game on the road, but I think Indiana will be fine. They're too good of a team to just you know let a team like Atlanta beat them. Well, well, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm going to clarify myself. I don't think the Hawks are going to beat them in the series, but I don't think mentally they're good enough to win this. I mean, they're the one seed, but I don't think they're mentally ready enough to to beat a team like Miami. I mean, to dethrone the champion, are you mentally? You have to be mentally tough, and I just don't see this team being that right now. Oh no, no, it's not going to happen. I know a lot of people are, are trying to, um, you know, 
see thrown to Miami Heat, it's not going to happen this year. I mean, you look at you look at Indiana the way they played going into the playoffs. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me, Tarvin. I, I, I'll, I'll call it right now on your show if. Indiana beats Atlanta, and then they move on to go play, let's say, the Bulls. And this is not being a homer, but wouldn't surprise me if, if the Bulls wound up beating Atlanta or beating uh, Indiana in, in a seven-game series just because of the way, the, the lack of momentum that the Pacers had going into the playoffs. Well, I'm, hey, I wouldn't be surprised either. And Chicago is one of the hottest teams in basketball right now, Cuervo. When you put that that tough mentality kind of team like Chicago with a coach like Thibodeau, Chicago, I mean, even if they you may not beat them, they're going to hurt somebody like Indiana, even if they don't win for the next series they play. Chicago is a very dangerous team right now. You don't, That's why Brooklyn tanked the last few games of the season so they didn't have to play them. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I know that. That's exactly what they did. And I, and I even said it yesterday on Sports Talk with the guys. You know, I said, hey, shout out to the Brooklyn Nets for <laughs> dodging the Bulls in the first round. So um, that's exactly what they did. And um, I guess it's paying off so far. I mean, they they beat, they beat the Raptors in game one. So uh, their strategy is working as of right now. Well, I'm glad. Can you hear me good, Cuervo? I'm just making sure everything's set before we get on into the show. And, again, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no, I'm still hearing you, uh, you know, loud and clear. Okay, good. Um, well, you know, the NBA's come and going. I mean, we're going to keep talking NBA, Cuervo. We've had a, we're going to have a lot to talk about in the upcoming series. But I want to talk to you real quick about Golden State, the Clippers. That's a game I picked yesterday was the Clippers or the – the Warriors to beat the Clippers. Were you surprised with that? And how much crying can the Clippers do? They're whining right now that they got cheated by the officials, but it was a bad call. But how many bad calls did the other calls did they miss in this game, Cuervo? Uh, well, from what I hear, quite a few. I did not get a chance to watch too much of the uh, game, but um, from what I heard, I mean, you know, I mean, it, I hate to say it, but it goes back to you look at who their head coach is. I mean. Doc Rivers has been known to be a guy that will argue a lot of different things. So um, it doesn't surprise me that the Clippers have picked up that mentality of, you know, trying to uh, put on an act to try to get a call to go their way. But, um, you know, the one thing I did, I, that I did hear, or, you know, was Mark Jackson after the game, his press conference, you know, I, I'm so I, – I get fed up, I really do, with these coaches that, you know, put on these, you know, oh, we're not supposed to be here type speeches. Look, nobody feels sorry for you. You're not going to get a free pass. You're not going to get – you know, nobody's, no, nobody's going to be like, oh, let's, you know, let's root on Golden State. You're not going to become America's team, dude. So get that whole, oh, you know, no, everyone's doubting us. Uh, you know, mentality, just go out there and win basketball games. Nobody wants to hear your sob story. And I get, I get really, it really bugs me when coaches try to give themselves that role of the whole, you know, oh, us against the world. And, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't, nobody wants to hear that crap. I don't. Well, I, I wasn't surprised whether I picked it. They're not sneaking up on anyone. No one. I mean, after what they did with San Antonio last year and having Curry on your team, uh, to me, 
I know you may think I'm crazy, but I think they're a better team than the Clippers. I, I just everybody says Blake Griffin's the third best player in the NBA, Cuervo. And I laugh at them. I mean, what what game are they watching? Do they want Blake Griffin to be that good? Because I mean, he can dunk. I mean, he can dunk with the best of them. But are you ready to put him in the top ten in the NBA yet? Because I, I'm just not, not even see. close. Not even close. There's no way. There's so many guys out there that are are better than than Blake Griffin. I mean, did he have a good season? Yes. Statistically, he might be top five this year. Uh, however, as far as him being the third best player in the NBA today, no, it's no, there's no way. He's not even, he's not even a top five power forward in the NBA. Let's just, I'm just going to put it to you like that. Yeah, I look at players like, like Curry. I think Curry's better. Look at this wall kid for Washington. I don't know how impressed you are with him, Cuervo, but he's a monster, man. He can blow by anybody out there. I just think when ESPN gets it in their head, they get a player that they want to pump. That's what they do, and that's why he's so popular because ESPN, is, ESPN has pumped him for years, wanting him to be the MVP now almost. And it's just it's ridiculous what they're doing with Blake Griffin. I mean, the most overrated player in the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean he's, he's you know he's I mean he's not he's not a scrub. However, he's no. not. You know, he's not, like, the next Carl Malone either. I mean, let's not get a, you know, let's not go overboard with this. I mean, he's still got a lot of things he can improve on on his game. I think he still he still can't shoot worth the crap. Um, his inside game is, is average. I mean, yeah, you can, anybody can dunk the ball if you're, if you're you know, have the, the hops to do it. But as far as his actual shooting game, it's 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 not very good. I mean, I've watched him play, and it's, I'm not impressed. But, I mean, yeah, you're talking about Wall and Curry. I mean, those guys, those guys, well, they play a different position, but they're still better at what they do than what Blake Griffin does on his team. You know what I'm going to tell Blake Griffin is, Cuervo, if he's out there listening tonight after fouling out in game one, go win a big series and then come back. If you want to be considered one of the top five, you have to win playoff games to me now. This is a day and age where you have to win. All players are judged by how they do in the playoffs. And what has Blake Griffin done in the playoffs, Cuervo, since he's been in the NBA? He hasn't done anything, Tarvin. And I mean, you know, and stop throwing water on people too. So, I mean, those those are two things we could tell him. <laughs> You know, I, I just I look at what have you done? I mean, what are you doing when it's crunch time? And right now, what he showed me, you know, Chris Paul showed me a lot yesterday. He's a he's a warrior, even though he missed two free throws to to really hurt his team. But Blake Griffin didn't do anything but get in a huge foul trouble. I mean, if you're a great player, you don't get involved in foul trouble in big games. I'm sorry, you just don't. And and that's just what I'm going to say. And Free throw shooting in the NBA playoffs has been just atrocious down the stretch. I've watched every game I watch, people are missing clutch free throws. And Cuervo, why is it so hard to, to hit a free throw these days, for God's sake? It's not hard. It's just the pressure of it. You know, maybe I'm making an excuse for the players, but, I mean, it is the playoffs. So, I mean, there is added pressure. And even in this game with the Bulls and the Wizards, I mean, you know, the Wizards are like, I don't know, 12 or 22 or something like that. And, and that's why the Bulls still have a five-point lead because the Wizards have missed so many free throws. And 
I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, I, I'm just backing up your 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 point about the uh, free throw shooting being bad. Yeah, it's, it's got to get better. Hopefully in the playoffs, once everybody, you know, gets adjusted, it'll work out. But an update right now, almost to the end of the third with a minute 17 left. Chicago's holding on to a 75-72 lead. Washington is not going away, Cuervo, but – we will come back and hit some NBA if we need to, but I want to move on to college football real quick. And tell me, did you watch any of the spring games yesterday? Alabama and Auburn both played. Just highlights, Tarvin. I mean, I didn't, I didn't sit there and watch it, you know, uh, play for play, but I did see some of the highlights. And um, from what it sounded like, uh, you know, Auburn fans are not too happy with with uh, how Nick Marshall did, or am I hearing that wrong? No, you're hearing that way wrong. Nick Marshall and that offense was amazing yesterday. Um, you know, spring games, a lot of, you know, you can't put too much weight in them. What I look for in a spring game, Cuervo, I think you're talking about Alabama, the quarterbacks were, were a lot of that, Yeah, the, what's that kid's name, Sims or something like that? Um, Blake, what is his name, Sims, and, and there's another one out there, but well, I'll talk about Alabama in a minute, but Cuervo, when I'm going into the spring game and I want to see my team, what I'm looking for, I'm looking to see how consistent you are, like what your timing looks like with each other. I want to see some young players play and see what they look like. Auburn had questions coming in. You know, number one, how would Nick Marshall do throwing the football? Well, he threw for four touchdowns yesterday, and he threw a lot of deep passes, and he hit some. Um, the question mark was how good was Duke Williams going to be for Auburn, the big receiver. Man, Cuervo, he's a monster. Sammy Coates, the other wide receiver, put on 20 pounds of muscle. A lot of depth on that team, man. And, and Cuervo, Nick Marshall's probably twice as good as he was last year already, and he still has a summer left to go. Uh, very impressed with him. I mean, the kicking, you know, Auburn had kickers. They They lost their field goal kicker and their punter. Scared me. Their field goal kicker missed an extra point. Then he had a 50-yard field goal, so I like that. But the punter was okay. What do you look for in a spring game? Um, you know what? I look for guys that are going to stand out this, you know, in, in the upcoming season. You know, who's a guy that you know we don't know about or or anything like that? Just guys that can make plays. Maybe that's maybe that's just because. You know, Tennessee hasn't had that in a long time. They haven't had guys that are playmakers, and that's what I'm looking to find in, in, in Tennessee's football team. But that's what I look for. You know, who's the guy that's going to be able to get up and, and grab the ball when, you, you know, you need a big first down? Or who's going to be a guy that can break a, you know, 10-yard run when it's third and seven? Or who's going to be a guy that can make a defensive play? You know, just guys that are going to – these standout playmaker type guys on your football team, and 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 I'm not talking about the the guys that you already know about. Okay, so when it comes to Auburn, I mean, you already know Nick Marshall's a playmaker. You already know um, about um, uh, Coach last year also had a good season, uh, if I if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So it's like who else who else are you know is going to step up, and if Coach is not having a good game for Auburn or whatever the case may be, you know, who's another guy that your team can rely on? So that's what I look for. You know, I look for, you know, what I went look for this year with Auburn is I knew they were stacked at running back, and they are, but 
who's going to step up and replace Trey Mason? You know, it's good to have a running back by committee. Sometimes it means you have depth, but you always need that leader at running back. And Trey Mason had that that ability, Cuervo, to lead. And you could tell he wanted the ball when it counted, and he got it. So watching Cameron Artis Payne yesterday, he was he did a good job. Corey Grant uh, got faster and stronger from last year. He had some. He ran like 120 yards on four or five carries yesterday. And remember, this is the first team offense versus the second team defense, and the second team offense versus the first team defense. So it, I like the way they do that. It gives you a chance to to see. And the first team won 50. What was it 57 to three? That was the final score. They don't. They count touchdowns and field goals. Squarevo. That's it. They don't. They don't do any kind of other scoring. But the offense looked so in sync yesterday. That's what impressed me. The receivers were, you know, they're 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 in sync with the quarterback. And what 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 made the difference to me was the off season after the the day after the national championship game. They started practicing again. Nick Marshall with the receivers. And he's going to have a full summer. So I think you're going to see this Auburn team a lot better offensively and defensively. But but just because you're better than last year, Cuervo, doesn't mean you're going to go undefeated and win a championship. Because you have to remember Auburn last year, they won some games they, they shouldn't have. I mean, they could have easily lost. So to me, to see Auburn be better, they're going to have to go out first game and beat Arkansas by about 30 points. That's what I want to start seeing, not – not beating somebody in the last second with a 109-yard kickoff or, you know, missed field goal or something. I want to see domination, and that's that, that's what you've been seeing from Alabama for the last few years. But I watched their spring game yesterday, Cuervo, and you better hope, Coker, if you're an Alabama fan out there, you better hope that Coker is as good as advertised because, Cuervo, those were two very pitiful quarterbacks yesterday. And I hear it from Bama fans. I saw it with my own eyes. They're not very happy right now. And, and, you know, a lot of people say it's because of Alabama's defense is so good. But what I looked at was the offensive line for Alabama, first and second team. Cuervo, they couldn't get any push. They couldn't protect. And it's not looking good right now for Alabama. If Coker comes in and, and plays the way he's capable of, then they have a good shot. But you have to have a quarterback to win in the SEC. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, that's – you know that's always a given. I mean, you got to have the guy that can that can uh, you know step in, and yeah, that's what Alabama's used to. You know, when you lose a guy like um, you know Greg McElroy, then you get you get a guy like uh, uh, who was the guy before McCarron? Anyways, the point is, I mean, McElroy, McElroy. There was a guy before Greg, or Brody Croyle. No, 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 no. That's that's too early, Tarvin. I'm trying to think John of John Parker Wilson. Yeah, John Parker. Maybe Wilson, something like that. Greg Mac, Greg McElroy, and AJ McCarron. Yeah, so I mean, they've had you know quarterbacks back you know three times in a row that can just step in and 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 be an instant success, instant impact, and it sounds like these guys aren't uh, aren't those type of guys. So you know, for for Alabama, I mean, you know. They, they might have to take a different approach, or I don't know what's going on. Or they have a lot of things to work on, but, you know, those offensive line issues, I think, are the bigger story, just like you're, you're saying. I mean, everybody wants to focus on the quarterback because, you know, that's, I mean, that's the, 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 the uh, skill position, and everybody pays attention to that. But, 
what's the point if you don't have the protection? And an offensive line has to be able to take care of their quarterback or else it's going to be a long yeah. season for Alabama. Cuervo, I want to read you something from ESPN. And tell me, would you be concerned if you were a Bama fan? This is the uh, lead article. It says, quarterback, Bama quarterback struggle in spring game. And it starts out, Alec Morris may have had the biggest impact of any Alabama quarterback during the Crimson Tide spring game Saturday. The problem, however, is that he stood out most as a puncher, booming 15 kicks for an average of 38.4 yards. What they're saying is a punter outdid the first, second, and third string quarterbacks. Now, that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's huge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I mean, at least, at least you know that Alabama's got a good punting game, but, I mean, that's, that's not exactly what you want to see. You want to see the ball being moved, you know, down the field. So, um, yeah, but the, yeah, but the ball was being moved by a punter. Yeah. Uh, Blake, Blake Sims was 13 of 30, 178 yards. He did throw a 55-yard touchdown late in the fourth quarter to help those stats. So, before that play, Cuervo, he had his – what was he, 12 for 29 for 122 yards. Yeah, 125 yards, something like that. That's that's not good, man. Yeah, no, that's, those are numbers that you should be happy about if you're an Alabama fan. So, um, But, you know, I mean, it's, it's only April, and, you know, there's plenty of time to fix it. Nick Saban will find a way to fix it. I'm not saying that, you know, this quarterback, these guys are going to, you know, look like, you know, a senior that has a projected top pick or anything like that. But but at the same time, I mean, I think they're going to look better than what they did at the spring game. Well, you know, I looked at it. I wanted to see Lane Kiffin as well, how he did, calling the plays and everything. And you're only as good as your offensive line and quarterback when you're an offensive coordinator. But I still have a lot of doubt with Lane Kiffin Cuervo. I, I just don't think he's a good fit at Alabama. I think that was that's going to be a disaster waiting to happen. Well, I mean, you look at his, you know, his first opportunity to be a coach in the SEC, and he shied away from it after one season. You know, I mean, he uh, he went through a, uh, an opportunity to get away from the SEC. You know, a lot of people say, well, it was his dream job. No, he just – he – he was like, holy cow, this is a different it was a different beast than I thought it would be. And, you know, the opportunity, the, the chance that he had to get out of coaching in the SEC, he took it. And that's why I'm surprised to see him back in the SEC, Tarvin, because, you know, he kind of he kind of pumped out of being in the SEC, and now he's back in it. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how long he sticks with it this time. I mean, is Saban desperate right now? Is he is he just desperate for anything? It just seems like he's grasping at straws, man. Uh, I just he just don't seem like the same coach to me, the same confidence. And anytime you lose two games in a row and you're getting trashed by the fans and all this pressure, there's a lot of pressure being being Nick Saban right now. And how he responds to this is going to dictate, you know. I mean, you know, if he has a bad year this year. How do you think the fans will react if they put four or five losses on the board? I mean, it'll be suicide watch in Tuscaloosa. I don't think it's going to happen, but but if it did, I mean, how's Nick Saban going to respond? Yeah, well, you know what? First of all, 
And I wish Sonya was here because some Bama fans need to just calm down. I mean, you lose two games in a row. Okay, what, what is the panic about, really? You, you were the two-time national champion, and you had won three out of four. So, I mean, what, you know, just because you lose two games in a row, I, I just think Alabama fans are overreacting to them losing yeah. two games in a row. And, then, you know, I mean, try being, try being a fan of, you know, Kentucky in football or Vanderbilt or, hell, even Tennessee, when, which, I mean, they, they lost five games in a row this past season. And, I mean, they didn't, burn, they didn't burn the town down, so, I mean, everything's fine. But the thing is, you know, and I don't want to hear about all oh, the standards are higher in, at Alabama. It's all the same across the board. When you're in the SEC, you expect to be the best. You know, you recruit the best players. You expect to play the best football. And you expect to put out a good product as far as, you know, your football, your football program is concerned. So, you know, it's not a matter of, well, Alabama's standard is higher than Tennessee's or Auburn's is higher than Mississippi State. It's just the fans <laughs> sometimes get a little they get a little spoiled and they get a little too laxy daisy and the second things don't go their way, oh my God, it's time to hit the panic button, we gotta fire the coach, we gotta get a new quarterback and all these changes need to be made for losing two games in a row. It's like, come on. Yeah, so if, you, if, you, if you go three and nine, now, now Cuervo, if Alabama turns around and goes three and nine this year, like Auburn did a couple years ago, then I can understand the panic. But you lost on the road to a rival off of a crazy play. It was an evenly well-played game both sides. You lost by a touchdown. Then you turn around and did Alabama want to be there against Oklahoma? Did they not? Bottom line is they lost. But, okay, you lost the two top five teams probably. And it's not the end of the world. Now, if you go out and lose to Vanderbilt or something, maybe that could be a little more concerning if you're Alabama. But you lost to Auburn, a team that played in the national championship game. You lost to Oklahoma, a team that's preseason right now in the top five. So I think you're right. You can't win a championship. That's why I told you earlier, just because you have the talent, just because your team looks good, doesn't mean you're going to win them all. I mean, you have to have some luck involved. And last year, Alabama didn't have the luck that they had in the earlier seasons. I mean, every national championship Alabama's won, luck was involved. Any championship anybody wins, luck's involved, Cuervo. So you have to have the, the right chemistry on your team and the right luck to win a yeah. championship. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the last time the last time I saw a team truly dominate throughout the season where luck wasn't really needed was I would probably have to say uh, the USC teams with Matt Liner and Reggie Bush, I mean, they were just flat out better than everybody else. So, I mean, how long ago was that? That was 10 years ago, Tarvin. So, I mean, yep. you're right. I mean, you know, 90% of the time, you, something has to go your way in order for you to win a football game. So, um, I mean, it's just that's just the way it works sometimes. Well, yep, the and, time. And the, but the worst thing happened to Alabama is, is they looks like to me maybe they lost their hunger a little bit. Maybe they need needed that two games in a row to kind of get it back and get the focus on it because all that matters is now. The pay, it's not going to matter. Once that first game kicks off in August or September, whenever it is, once Alabama plays and beats West Virginia, nobody's going to care anymore about last year. It's all about now. It's all about the future. So I think Nick Saban – 
is going to get it together there in Alabama. But I wanted to talk about their spring games and, and talk about all that because, you know, football's four months away. I don't know if you've counted it down like I am, but here we are at the end of April. we got May, June, July, and here's August coming. That's when football's starting, Cuervo. It's just right around the corner, man. It, it's so close that it's almost time to start doing some previews. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, especially after the draft in a couple of weeks, that's when it, I think it's really going to start kicking into high gear as far as looking at teams and things like that because by then it'll already be get, approaching the middle of May. And, um, you know, I mean, August will be three months away from there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost there. It's almost that time. Now, now let's go to the NFL draft. Since you, you're talking about it, we're 17 days away from the NFL draft. And, and I wanted your opinion on something. You know, with this much time in between the draft, I mean, I don't remember it ever being this long, but how much is social – I think we talked about this on that being said before, but how much – are these owners, GMs, all these guys looking to the fans out there to do their draft for them, Cuervo? I mean, are you out there looking on message boards to see what teams are, are wanting or who they're wanting to get? How are you? How, how do you think these owners do it? I know they're on Facebook and Twitter trying to see all these NFL updates from ESPN, CBS, Fox, and all these guys. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's something as simple as going to the official, you know, Bears website or or going to the uh, Facebook fan page and, talk, you know, looking at articles of certain players that they've interviewed and things like that or had a private workout session for. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's pasted all over SportsCenter. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater worked out with the Jaguars yesterday. Everybody knows about it because it was on it was on SportsCenter. So, um you know, I mean, how much of a role social media plays, it plays a huge role because that's where everybody gets their information on. Nobody reads the newspaper anymore. Everybody goes to Facebook or they go to the Twitter account or they go to whatever they have, and that's how they find out their news because you get it, you know, instantly. You know, it's, it's on-the-spot information. You don't have to wait for the next morning for the paper to come out and, you know, to hear what people's opinions are on how he did or or whatever, that information is accessible. You know, as soon as Teddy Bridgewater leaves the Jaguar facility, somebody's in there saying, oh, workout went great or whatever, and then you'll see it, and then, you know, that's, that's how things just spread like wildfire. So it plays a huge role. Well, I think ESPN and some of these other sources – um, they put a lot of pressure on these owners and everything because they'll they'll jump on the bandwagon of a few players and it makes you look stupid almost if you don't take them. And if you do take them and they blow up, then you're screwed really. I mean, it makes you look even worse. But if you don't take somebody like Clowney and just say somebody else gets him and he does has a great year and your guy, you take Manziel or something that they're pushing him to, you're going to look bad. So... If I'm a GM and owner, I'm not even paying attention to any of that. I don't care what the fans have to say. I really don't care what ESPN has to say. I'm going to hire. I'm paying millions of dollars to my staff that's going to go out and and look at these guys and watch film and get the needs of my team. So I don't want to hear any owners crying if if they listen to the fans. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're listening to what the fans think, you shouldn't be an owner anyway because, I mean, how good of a business move is it to listen to, you know, I'm saying, you know, average, you know, John, the construction worker who happens to be a, you know, a, a, a Carolina Panther fan. And, well, he thinks, you know, because he, he, you know, bought a Carolina Panthers sweater one year. Well, he thinks they should get Sammy, move up and get Sammy Watkins. Okay, let's listen to John, the construction worker, because he bought a $20 Panther sweater one time. So let's, let's just invest all of our <laughs> thought into what he thinks. Like, how dumb is that? How, I mean, seriously, how stupid is it? But yet that's the guy that's all over these blogs. Oh, they should get Sammy Watkins. Okay, how many, how many NFL franchises have you run, buddy? I mean... To me, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not really too emotionally invested in what the average fan thinks because they don't really know how the business works, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, and I mean, it 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 just wouldn't make sense. I mean, it'd be the dumbest thing you could ever do to listen to a fan's opinion. You know, you made me think of something. During the Iron Bowl, when Gus Malzahn went for it early in the fourth quarter, maybe midway through, fourth down and one, he didn't get it. To see these fans out there blasting him, saying that he didn't know what he was doing, he made a mistake, and you're sitting over there acting like you know more than Gus Malzahn, Nick Saban, or some of these guys. Like Saban decided to kick the field goal. You know what? It was the right call, and you're going to sit here and question a man that makes $5 million a year and once has rings everywhere. And you're going to act like you know more than he does. Just shut up. And I think we have a Skype caller in, Cuervo. I think it's Sonny. Is this Mr. Sonny Cuervo? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, hello? Yes. Who is this? Um, Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from um, Michigan. Okay, how are you? Uh, Not bad, dude. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for calling. What what do you got for us tonight? So can I ask any sports questions on here, sports-related? Sure. All right. um, Did you you ever used to watch WWE? A long time ago. All right. What do you think about uh, The Undertaker losing his first WrestleMania? Well, if if it was real... You know, I would I would be upset about it, but it's all who's hot right now. Cuervo, you want to add anything? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I mean, you know, for him to go that long without losing, it was it was a shock. How many how many wins in a row was that at WrestleMania? Oh gosh, I think twenty, like twenty something, some humongous number like that. Well, well, tell us, um, what what are your thoughts about The Undertaker losing? Uh, well, you know, I was pretty upset about it. I kind of, like, balled up and cried in the corner for about 20 minutes and finally pulled myself together. And went. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Uh, Cuervo, I don't know if that was a serious call or not. I didn't like where that was going. <laughs> no worries, Tarvin. We've had our share before as well. So, well, if, if, well. if you were if you were if you were a legit caller, I apologize, but 
I had a feeling this was going in the wrong direction. And first of all, if you do watch wrestling, Cuervo, I mean, and you really care about it, you need to move out of your mom's basement. That's my advice to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I stopped watching, God, I was probably 15, 16 years old. I mean, you know, that was a long time ago, so. But, uh, yeah, what we were talking about, we were talking about uh, John the Construction Worker, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody questioning what people do, like GMs. I mean, it's okay to question the GM, but you don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to run a, a billion-dollar business like that, Cuervo, and understand the ins and outs, the day-to-day. I mean, it would be very difficult and to sit here and question everything they do, acting like you could do it better, especially the coaches, especially when you have coaches out there that's dedicated their life to it. That's what you were talking about, and that, that just made me rem- – it reminded me of that. But I look at the NFL yeah. draft, Cuervo, and, and I'm looking at it right now, and I'm just wanting to know who's going to be you, – you think it's Oakland, but who's going to be that first team that just screws their draft up and then – throws a wrench in it for everybody else because you imagine the panic if you're sitting there waiting on a player and all of a sudden he goes to pick before you and then it puts people on tilt they start doing crazy things when they panic so who's going to be that first team to to screw up this draft well i mean i think it could be um let me see who's got the number is jacksonville number two or are they number three no, St. Louis They're is number two. two. Jacksonville, Jacksonville is number three. Yeah, St. Louis is two. They're not going to mess it up. Um, I would have to say it might be. You said you said I can't pick the Raiders. What is it tough? Um, no, you can't pick the Raiders. <laughs> I've already used that last line, right? But um, <laughs> I would have to say, gosh, it's a toss-up. Either Jacksonville or Cleveland at three or four now. Either they'll mess it up or they will trade that pick to someone else and mess it up for themselves in that way. So I think either either scenario could happen, but it's tough. Jacksonville or, or Cleveland at three and four, I just think three, four, and five is just going to be like, oh, my God, what just happened? That, that's what we're going to get. You could be right, and – and, you know, the the sad thing is, is you have Jacksonville, you have Cleveland. These guys are so desperate. I mean, you know, getting an offensive lineman to them is nothing, and they need to make a splash. And maybe Manziel's the gamble they look for, someone like that. Because Cleveland, you know, they suck for a long time. Jacksonville, they've sucked for a long time. They need instant success. And when, you, when, you're, when you're them and you look down the street, you see – Russell Wilson coming in, doing what he's doing, Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick, Andrew Luck. Why, why can't you get one of those players? I mean, that, if, if you're them, you have a lot of pressure on you because you need to win now. And and I just think that's the wrong mentality sometimes when you're a bad team. You have to you have to put the pieces together and then all of a sudden strike gold once you get a chance to get a good quarterback. But right now there's not a quarterback in this draft that's really going to make an impact year one. No, no, you're yeah, exactly. And I've been saying that for almost a month now, Tarvin. I mean, you know, this goes back to the whole ESPN thing, how they're trying to hype up these these quarterbacks. And I missed the uh, I missed the, the Gruden's camp thing where he had all the quarterbacks together earlier today. I really 
I, I genuinely wanted to watch that. I wanted to see um, what he thought of each of these guys. But, um, yeah, none of them impressed me in all reality. I mean, if Blake Bortles is the best out of this class and you compare it to Ben Roethlisberger, I'm sorry, Ben Roethlisberger, he's got two Super Bowl rings, but, man, does he have the – does he have the tools to really change a franchise? I don't think so. Because, you know, a lot of people don't talk about this because, I mean, we don't want a bad mouth Big Ben, but let's face it, the great defenses that he had on that Steelers, those Steelers teams early in his career were a big reason why he was able to get to a Super Bowl, why he was able to win a Super Bowl at such a young, you know, so early in his career. I mean, Troy Palomaro in his prime. Joey Porter in his prime. I mean, are you kidding me? And and you're gonna give the credit to Roethlisberger because he's a quarterback? Like let's let's not let's you know, stop fooling around and let's not kid ourselves here. We know the reason that the Steelers were good when, when Ben first got to the team and so I mean if if that's if that's the best that this quarterback draft class has to offer this year, then I don't. I honestly, Tarvin, I don't think any of them should go in the first round. Not a single one. No, I'm I'm with you. And why is it that that both of us and and Trey even, you know, I think he agrees with us. And why do we see this and all the so-called experts can't? Are we are we delusional? Are we dumb? Or, or I mean, I just I just don't get it because I watch football. I've studied it for years and years, and I don't just watch it to see the score and pull for my team. I watch every game that I possibly can. I study film. So why can we see this, Cuervo, and they can't? Well, I'll tell you the reason why, because they 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 probably know that these guys aren't worth a damn. However, in order to continue to get ratings, what's more exciting to talk about, Johnny Manziel or – I'm so no, and this isn't a shot at you, but Greg Robinson from Auburn. Who's more exciting to talk about? Like, that's I think that's that's where you know the 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 hype comes in because it's more exciting to talk about a quarterback than you know an offensive lineman that can totally change you know your your franchise and and could possibly you know help you win some football games by protecting your quarterback your quarterback's blind side. But if Center is talking about Greg Robinson and Jake Matthews all day. People aren't going to watch. They're just going to flip the channel. Oh, they're talking about those offensive linemen. But you flip the channel and they're talking about Bridgewater and Manziel and comparing numbers. Oh, okay, now I'm interested and I want to watch. So that, that's, to me, that's the reason why. But, I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, yeah. I, just, I just don't see it in these guys. Yeah, I mean, we need to be talking about people – Odell Beckham Jr. LSU. We need to be talking about Ha Ha Clinton Dix out of Alabama. We need to be, you know, talking about Marcus Lee from USC. We need to be talking about those guys. But you're right. I mean, it's Greg Robinson's a lineman. He's not as sexy, but the quarterback. The emphasis on every team is a quarterback. And if you don't have one, you have to get one. Which which puts these sucky teams at a disadvantage in a draft because what you're doing is you're going out on a limb, Cuervo. You're going to reach for a quarterback while these other teams are getting the players they need and they're getting better while you're getting worse. And and that's the problem I have with it. 
make a trade, do something to benefit your team, but don't don't just let New England load up every draft because you're out there grabbing a quarterback trying to that's not going to pan out. And and I'm, I'm going to tell you, the last couple of quarterback drafts have been great. Andrew Luck, you know, and people like Russell Wilson and Cam Newton, those don't come around every year. And, and I think it's going to be fewer and far, farther between Cuervo in the next few years. I don't think you're going to see another Andrew Luck for a long time. No, no. I mean, we'll see the next Cam Newton before we see the next Andrew Luck. And, I mean, depending on what Jameis Winston decides to do after this year, that's exactly who I'm talking about. I mean, I can, I mean you obviously compare him to Cam Newton more than you would Andrew Luck. So, it, you know. But, I mean, again, Jameis Winston is one guy. Only one team is going to get to draft that guy. And then after that, I mean, what what is there? What else is there to talk about? I mean, Nick Marshall? Eh, well, maybe. Um, who, he's got to improve mean, a lot. He's got to improve. He's got to have a Cam Newton-type season in order to get recognized sure. to go to the NFL. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, but – yeah, I mean the the whole point is, Tarvin. I mean, like you said, I mean the the quarterback, the quarterbacks in college are just they're not that impressive right now. I mean, after after Jameis Winston, what I mean Braxton, no, see Braxton Miller's going pro this year, so you can't even talk about him. So or or is he? No, he's gonna be he's going back to Ohio State, isn't he? Yeah, he's going back. He's not good enough yeah, okay, to play in the so, NFL, and I'm I'm glad he's smart enough to realize that. But, man, is, is he going to be worth drafting in the first two rounds? I don't think so. So, I mean, how much how much can you really say about Braxton Miller before you're just like, eh, okay, let's talk about Jameis Winston again. So, I mean, after Winston, there's really nobody worth really talking about in the NFL. Well, or, you know, well people, people, say Mariota. people say Mariota. People say Mariota is going to be a good NFL quarterback, Cuervo, and I, I'm just not seeing it. I, I just don't see where no. his style is actually going to make it in the NFL. I don't I don't either, uh, Tarvin, because, A, you look at the style of offense that Oregon runs, and name me one Oregon quarterback that is even has even become successful in the NFL. I can't think of any. There's, there's no Dennis Dixon's the closest one. Dennis Dixon's the closest oh, one, and he's a backup. He's a backup quarterback or a third stringer. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's my point. So that's the first reason why I don't see him panning out. Number two, the defense is in the Pac-12. Are you kidding me? I mean, after Stanford, which which shut him down in reality, um, there's no other defense that I can think of that he really faced that. You can say, "Wow, that's a good defense that he carved up." <laughs> it didn't happen. The one defense that he played against Stanford, uh, you know, they shut him down. Yeah, they did. And Cuervo, just an update, real quick: the Bulls are down six with thirty seconds left. I mean, are you surprised at the the outcome of this game so far? I am. I am. I mean, the the Bulls just they got pushed around on their home court, and that's embarrassing. So. Um, you know, I really hope they can get it together and come back and win on Tuesday. So, this game's pretty much over. I mean, what a disappointing weekend. Blackhawks lose again yesterday in overtime. 
and then now the Bulls are going to lose on their home floor. Uh, not a very good weekend for me. Hey, you know what? The life goes on, Cuervo. Life goes on. Oh, yeah, you know, no, I, I agree. Hey, I, 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 I agree. didn't get your opinion real quick while we're on the NBA. Houston and Portland tonight, who do you like? Um, I'm going to go with, uh, let's see, Houston's the home team. I'm going to stick, I'll stick with the Rockets. You know, I, I think this is going to be one of those series. First of all, I, I, I picked this to be the best series out of all of them in reality. But um, I, I, I think I like Houston. I think it's going to be one of them series that the home team wins, you know, the, the majority of the game. So, Gonna, but it'll be it'll be the, one of the best series, I think. Houston has favored five and a half points tonight at home. Um, that's a tough one right there to, to pick the point spread. But I think Houston will win. But I think it'll it'll probably be by about ten if I had to guess the first game. But that doesn't mean Portland's not going to take this series seven games or anything. It's just that first game. I don't know. It just seems like the home teams have been very tight to me in this first game. Uh, if you've noticed it, every team, think about it. OKC came out hot. That's the only team that came out looking real sharp and crisp. And they almost blew a 24. They did blow a 24-point lead in the second half. And I, I don't know, Cuervo. It, I don't think the parity is there. I just think sometimes the NBA, they, they see these series that could be 4-0 easy, and they want that team to come out and get a win just to kind of spice it up and make it interesting. You know, you you think about it. How many how much more ratings is ESPN gonna get when you see these big teams losing that game one? It kinda makes it a lot more interesting, doesn't it? Well yeah, it does because, you know, you wanna watch that game to see if you know, just like with the Pacers we were talking about earlier, are they gonna you know, can they bounce back in game two or are they gonna somehow find a way to be in a two nothing hole going on the road? So uh people are gonna watch and they're and, you know, they wanna see what's gonna happen and you know, just like with this game, I mean, are the Bulls going to be able to recover in game two? It's, it's going to be a, it's an interesting question. Yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't know yet, and that's, that's the thing. The thing that concerns me about Chicago Cuervo is, is they don't have that go-to guy. They don't have that go-to score that can take over in the fourth if they need to. That's what worries me about them in a seven-game series sometimes. And that, that's all I'm saying about that. I'm not putting down your bulls because, you know, that's your team. But I just don't I don't see that player that they have. You know what I mean? No, yeah, and, and you're right. You're right. I mean, that's why I think they have to do whatever they have to do. I'm all for the bulls going after Carmelo Anthony after the season. Is he, is he, is, is he the best fit for the bulls? Maybe not. Can, you know, is he a terrible defender? Yes, we all know that. But what's the one thing that he can do that the Bulls need? He can put the ball in the basket and put up 25 a game. That's what the Bulls are lacking. Even with, I mean, even even after Derrick Rose comes back, I mean that, that they're going to need someone other than Rose to be a guy that can get get in there and and put points, put up points. So. I don't think if Derrick Rose, Rose was back, Cuervo. If Derrick Rose was here right now and playing at a hundred percent, heck, I would I would have the Bulls going all the way, man. That's how much of a difference he makes when he's on the court. We yeah, well, the court. I mean, 
Yeah, well, he hasn't been on the court in two years, so I mean, it's it's hard to tell what this team would look like. So we're else, we're so used to seeing, uh, you know, the Bulls without Derrick Rose. So, but I I still think they should go, you know, after him. I mean, imagine Rose, Anthony, and Joakim Noah. I mean, I think that's a pretty good, um, you know, uh, big three if you want to call it the big three. But um, that's a pretty good, you know. Trio of teammates right there. I mean, you got everything you need right there. You got the size, you got the speed, and you got the scoring. So I mean, I think yeah. it all it makes all the sense. To, for so those, I'm just not a those... Carmelo Anthony fan, though, man. I know you you want him, and being a Bulls fan, maybe I would if I was a Bulls fan. But I'm telling you, I'm just not impressed with him. I think he's more of a cancer than he is anything, man. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, only time will tell. Um, as far as if he's going to continue to be a cancer, I mean, signs are that he probably would cause cancer to the Bulls. I mean, you know, the two teams that he's been on, it's it's gotten worse throughout time. So, with that being said, I think if they do go after Carmelo Anthony, do not make a long commitment to the guy. Sign him for four years, you know, give him the max contract, and go from there. And, and that's what the Bulls need to do. And, you know, they just need a guy that can that can be a scorer, that is a top scorer in the NBA. And, you know, let Derrick Rose do what true point guards are supposed to do, and that's, you know, create space, facilitate the ball, uh, find the open man. And, and, you know, that's that's the, you know, the best thing for the Bulls. Well, Cuervo, is there anything you want to talk about tonight before we head out of here? Um... Robbie, have we, have we uh, talked any baseball? Did you see that fight today between the, the Brewers and the Pirates? I didn't get to see that. What happened? Oh, yeah. So it was uh, – I think his name is Carlos Gomez of the uh, of the Brewers. was sliding in the third. He hit a triple. And him and the uh, – I believe it was the shortstop getting to, you know, a little verbal altercation. And uh, all of a sudden – you know, it gets pretty hot. It gets pretty, uh, pretty heated. The argument, and then before you know it, the bench is clear, and uh, you know, punches were being thrown, and it got crazy. So, um, you know, that that's that's what happened in baseball today. And you know, one thing I do want to talk about, speaking of baseball, and speaking of the Brewers, is how impressed are you by the way Brian Braun has played so far this year? I, I think. I think um, I'm, I'm really surprised by how well he's been hitting the baseball and, you know, people are going to start talking about, oh, he's back on the juice. And I, I really think he would be the dumbest person in the world to go back to juicing after everything that's happened to him. So I, mean, what are your, I know you're probably not a fan of Ryan Braun, but, I mean, what do you think about the hot start that he's, that he's been on so far this year? Well, I mean, he's had a, a long time to be off to actually get off the roids and, and get his body adjusted to it. If he had kept playing, I think he'd have seen a lot of struggle as soon as he quit taking those uh, steroids. But you know, I'm looking at him, and he's he's a great baseball player, and I think he was great before the steroids. And just like Barry Bonds, he was great before the steroids, and. I don't know. I just I have a problem with Brewers fans actually cheering this guy, acting like he's a he's a savior. You know, when he came back, the 
the first game after all that happened, he gets a standing ovation from a bunch of beer guts. That's what bothers me. But Cuervo, guess who's on the line with us? Jonathan is in the house. Jonathan, what do you think about Ryan Braun this year? What are your thoughts? I, I'm with you. Um, I'm just as stunned that Brewer fans are are cheering him on. But as sports fans, we all know there's that short-term memory. Uh, we all tend to have it um, when it comes to yep. you know a face of a franchise. Somebody who can carry us, and I, I just don't know if on, honestly, as a Brewers fan, I could look at Braun the same after you knew the first one was a positive, but he drove somebody's name through the mud, got them fired, and at the end of the day, he was still wrong. I mean, how dumb can you be? He's still a good player, but I'm just I'm just baffled, in all honesty, how the, his first game back, they all gave him a standing ovation. He didn't earn that. He didn't deserve that. That's why I'm upset, Jonathan. It's not the fact that he used steroids. It's not the fact that, that he told baseball he didn't. It's the fact that he drugged someone's name through the mud, called him a liar, got him fired, ruined his reputation, tried to. That's what I have a problem with. Cuervo, I mean, I don't know if you knew about that, but that's my biggest problem oh, yeah. with it. I mean, yeah, yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not, you know, like becoming a Ryan Braun fan overnight or anything like that. Um, do I think he's a good baseball player? Yeah. Is he a good person? Hell no. I mean, just for the reason that you guys were just talking about. I mean, you know, he he causes a guy to lose his job because he's pointing the finger at somebody else, and you know, and then the truth comes out that that it was him all along and. I mean, what did he do for for the guy that he got fired? Nothing. Like big old middle finger. Like, well, sorry, buddy. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, and that was it. So, is not he, only is he did the guy lose his job, he's a fucking coach, saying Cuervo. What's that? What I mean, well, one of your own. Well, one of Cuervo's own, a Cubs fan, nonetheless. That's that's what the guy used to say the guy was smearing Braun. That's what Braun used to say the guy was smearing him. He was a fellow Cubs fan, so if anybody should be throwing syringes at him, it's Cubs fan. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, I mean, I just, you know, I just want to get you all thoughts on, on the, the start that he's had so far. Well, uh, well I want to talk about the Atlanta Braves guys, and I'm still not buying them right now. 12-6, and six, their first place in the National League East. I'm a Braves fan. If I'm anybody's fan, I guess I'm a Braves fan. But, Jonathan, I'm just not impressed with them right now, are you? I mean, their defense is playing good. They're not giving up many runs. But how long is this pitching going to hold up? Well, what I can guarantee is that Aaron Harang's not going to be carrying no hitters into the seventh inning every night. Uh, that's – you want to talk about a prime juicing candidate. Hello, Aaron Harang, where have you been? Um, but, you know, I, I, you got to love this team defensively. They have a, one of the best defensive outfields you're going to see. They probably have the best defensive shortstop in the game. Freddie Freeman's no hole at first. Chris Johnson plays really well at third. Uh, catching, I mean, does Gaddis and Laird leave a little bit to desire behind the plate? Yeah, but they're not terrible. And then, well, we all know Ugly Ugla. I mean, he's just ugly at second base. It seems like somehow he's been improving on the thing. Then, you know, thank the Braves fans for that because I think he's heard enough, but it, it, this pitching staff really worries me, but the fact that Washington can't beat them, I think gives them an edge. I mean, I don't think anybody in that division can hold, uh, you know, their weight in water compared to Atlanta, to be honest with you. 
um, for some odd reason, they have a stranglehold in that division, and, and that's going to be huge for them. But they, they're, they're going to need to start digging into the system for some arms because some of these pitchers are going to get a little tired out at the end of the year. The harangue, the wood, the guys like that. And, you know, it, you, you need to try and find a way to start spacing in these, these AAA guys now. Like, you know, David Hale and guys like that. I mean, their staff, you want to talk about the Rays staff getting hit hard. Atlanta lost two starters before the season even began. I mean, what more needs to be said? Cuervo, I'm going to give you this number. The Braves have given up 49 runs this year, and Arizona's given up 129 runs this year. That's a big difference, isn't it? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. I mean, it's more than double what the what the Braves have given up. So, I mean, about triple. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, almost yeah. triple. Almost triple. Yeah, you, you look at Washington's giving up 81 runs. The Mets, 84, Miami, 81, and Philadelphia, 96. I mean, that's a domination in your division. The division They won seven out of ten. They lost an extra innings to the Mets. I think they won all of their series this year, mm-hmm. except maybe one. I think they lost to the Mets, maybe. I can't remember. But they're they're doing good. They're 10-5 and five in the East, 8-4 and four on the road. That's a, that's a good number. And looking over to West, you have the Dodgers and the Giants. I, I don't think anybody else in that division is really going to matter. And then looking at the American League, I mean, are you surprised, Jonathan, that the Yankees are in first place, 11-8 and eight right now? Or is it just too early to worry about it? No, it's way too early to worry about that. There was one year where the Rays started this. Actually, it was the same year that Boston had their meltdown. Um, we snuck into the playoffs on game 162. Um, the Rays and the Red Sox will start a year like 2-15. and 15. So the fact that we're 500 or just below 500 where we're at, I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. Um, and also the last time the Rays scored 11 runs in a game, we've done it two other times where we've scored 11 and then gone on insanely hot runs. So I think our offense waking up scoring 27 runs in uh, back-to-back games. Obviously we got skunked today because we can't hit lefties for the life of us. But um, it, it's a good sign. But with Boston, you got to look at them. you got to get a little worried. I mean, when are these guys that are injured going to come back? Remember Brooks and Victorino with the Orioles. What's going on? Um, and Toronto's Toronto. They're, they're just dumb. But I think the Yankees, I don't know if they'll be able to sustain it because, you know, Ellsbury's good for a deal stint. You know, McCann's good for a deal stint. Teixeira's not back. Jeter can't play every day. You know, at third base, you got a hole. At second base, you got a hole. Soriano, I mean, they have so many guys. You, you, honestly, I, I, you would look at it and go, is that a retirement home over there? I, I mean, it's it, – I, I don't know if they're going to sustain it, to be honest with you. And that pitching staff may be good. And, and there's no doubt in my mind, Michael Pineda, uh, Tanaka, uh, Nova, and Sabathia are going to combine for, you know, over 60 wins. But at the, at the, at the end of the day, you're still going to have to get at least another 30 to get into the, the playoffs. And I don't know if their pitching staff, uh, you know, they're, they're whoever they get in the five hole, and their bullpens can actually uh, get there for them. Because their bullpen looks very suspect right now. And one thing about baseball, guys, it's a long, long season. And which team out there mm-hmm. can be consistent, can with, withstand it, who has the best starting pitching? I look at, at the Dodgers, if they can keep going on, if they can get uh, – they're they're ace at Kershaw back healthy. They're going to be tough. San Francisco's always there with their pitching. Oakland, Detroit. It's the teams with the pitchers that you got to watch. And make sure they're okay. But the Cuervo, anything you want to add in baseball? 
Um, well, I'm going to throw the Cardinals in there, too, even though I'm a Cubs fan. I mean, I give credit where credit's due. The St. Louis Cardinals have probably been one of baseball. the most consistent teams in baseball, you know, over the past, team what? Yeah, exactly. The past 10, 15 years are the best teams, so. Um, yeah, I guess the last thing that I want to bring up is, how do I say this? Um, a lot of people may not think this is a big deal, but I, I really, really can appreciate what Matt Williams did to Bryce Harper. You know, with him not running mm. the, the, the first base and things mm. like that, I mean, a lot, and a lot of people are like, whatever, but, I mean, mm. you know, you got you got to play at 100% at all times, and, and that's how you mm-hmm. that's how you win. That's how you win in but baseball. He, he does usually though, doesn't mm-hmm. he? I've seen him bust. I've seen him busted everywhere he's gone. I mean, I think he's got yeah. hurt a lot because he plays so hard. Yeah, I yeah, mean, and that, and that's I, true. I, I mean, we got to think about this game of the year. Bryce Harper took a knee to the head, and everybody goes, "Well, maybe he needs to slow it down a little bit." You know, he's trying too hard. Now, the one time we've ever seen him loaf a little bit, and this is the last thing I say before I got to go, I got to get back to work, but, you know, the, the one time we see him loaf, he gets benched. Matt Williams is a rookie manager. He needs, to, he needs to make sure he understands his team and doesn't lose them because this team is going to run through Bryce. But, at, at, you know, you know Bryce can get a consistent effort. He loafed for a reason. There was obviously a reason behind that. And he, he doesn't just slow down and, and jog around for nothing. We've seen, we've seen him get knocked out. Because he's he's busting his ass, uh, running into the outfield fence, they're going to catch in May. I mean, you know, you sit there and go, dude, there's 130 games left. He's trying this hard in May, you know. And, and I think for you know Williams to bench him, I think was a bad move. But I got to go, guys. I want to thank you for letting me on, Brian. Um, you right. know, and Cuervo, you know, I love you. <laughs> Good to hear from you, Jonathan. Take care. All right. Well, Cuervo, thanks for joining me tonight, buddy. Uh, we're going to cut it out tonight. We'll be back Wednesday night. Tonight is Easter. I want to wish everybody a happy Easter. Hope you had a great day with the family. I know I did. So, Cuervo, man, Wednesday night. We'll see you. And, again, thanks for joining us, buddy. Yeah, no problem, Tyron. Take care. Have a good night. You too, bud.